everybody. It's Melissa from the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Just wanted to let you know that we are doing another live Star Wars episode this year for the release of Rogue One. We're going to do a screening here in camera at Palace Electric Cinemas on the 16th of December. Uh, it's at 9 p.m. Tickets are going to be $20 and we're going to show the movie followed by a review from us and then some audience participation. So we would really love to see everybody there. We encourage you to dress up and to have fun because we certainly plan to. So that's Friday, December 16th. So look at our website for details about the tickets. Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Arrival, directed by Denis Villeneuve and released in 2016. The plot of Arrival goes something like this. When alien spacecraft land on Earth, a linguist is recruited by the military to assist in translating their communications. And at this point, I would like to sound the spoiler warning on this movie um, because it is still out in cinemas and we will be talking spoilers and it really is much better if you watch this one unspoiled. Yep. Um, so if you haven't seen it, uh, maybe go see the movie and then come back and listen to what we And it's saying. worth watching too. So yeah, go yeah. out there, go watch it, then come back. Exactly. Um, yeah, so Arrival is um, one of the two Amy Adams movies that came out this week mm-hmm. and uh, and it stars two people from the Buffyverse. Um, Amy Adams and and uh, Jeremy Renner were best on known Buffy and Angel. for their yeah, roles on Buffy and Angel. Exactly, definitely. that's what they're famous for, right? Um, the Arrival was really, it was a bit of a frustrating experience for me because I really liked it, except everything about how, like the the aesthetic of how it was made. I really, oh, yeah. really liked the story and the characters. It was really interesting. I thought the acting was really good. Um, there are a couple of lines that I thought were a bit much, but like overall, I thought it was really interesting and really dense. Um, and mm. there's so much kind of information in all the scenes and everything. And then they decided to shoot it. And, and a lot of the shots are really beautiful as well, but I hate it. I hate this kind of current, like, um, handheld Instagram filter, like you can't understand what people are saying. And then vroom soundtracks over everything style of filmmaking where, and also the natural light thing where you can't see anything that's happening it drives me up the wall and the, i mean i think this movie is just going to look super dated in 20 years because of the style of filmmaking that they've mm. used here but you know there's so many and there's so many things i like and it might just be a personal preference that i just don't particularly yeah. like this style see i quite like the style but like but i do recognize that it will probably look dated but i also thought um I'm going to talk about the cinematographer in a second because he's quite special. But um, there's something uh, about the way I think this style is used well to tell this story mm. because our main character is confused and she doesn't always know. And it's also um, – and here I will sound the spoiler warning one more time. If you ha- haven't seen it and you're still listening, please turn it off now because I'm about to start properly spoiling you. These are memories. She's working through memories. And so the story isn't told necessarily in order and things – scenes stop and start and things like that and I feel mm. like the technique of of having it um be wobbly and then out of focus and stuff kind of works a bit for it um but I was also um since I've watched this and again we had this conversation in the car about on the way home from watching this movie about how um it was going to look dated and I do agree um I learned a bit more about the photographer the cinematographer Bradford Young now he is like one of these sort of hot young cinematographers but he shot Selma and he mm-hmm. is a young black guy. And he does a lot of work about, um, like, he's done a lot of work to kind of correct 
film was always sort of made to, or, and all techniques around film were sort of made to shoot white skin and to di- and to make white people look good on camera. And he's done a lot of work or, around like how you use light to shoot black skin and to shoot different ethnicity, like people's different faces and things like that. And he's kind, he's really interesting. He does a lot of interesting work. He's kind of like one of the hot young things on the cinematography circuit. That is all very cool. I still don't really like how this movie was shot. I mean, that's great. Uh, but I mean, it doesn't apply for a lot of this movie. You've only really got Forrest Whitaker, I think, in this movie, who's a yeah. um, a person of color anyway. So, but yeah, it. I just found it. I f- I find it frustrating when I can't see things and when I can't hear things. Like the, the a lot of the dialogue. It was the same problem we had uh, that you had with Hello High Water. You know, when they're shooting it from behind yeah. and stuff like that, and you can't see their f- mouths moving. Um, but also that thing that they do where the the soundtrack goes vroom and nothing's happening it's it it happened in the witch as well which is very similarly shot to this Uh um it's the very similar and i get that they're trying to create atmosphere and things but like if i'm working that hard to even just figure out what's happening in the movie i tend to get frustrated and there's certain bits that i thought would have been really cool if i could have seen them better you know when they do the little like when they go up into the ship and they do the jump from the Mm -hmm. platform up to the ship I was like, this could be shot in a way that it would look really, really cool. But instead, I'm trying to figure, like, my brain's trying to wrap itself around what's happening, um, which I'm sure theirs is too. But, like, it, if we could have a shot, just one shot, where we could actually see them jump straight off the platform onto the thing and, like, watch the the um, perspective shift, it would have looked really cool. Mm. And we don't get to see that. Yeah. The thing that frustrates me is we never actually see it in reverse. We never see them go from the tunnel back onto the platform. Yep. And I was really wondering how the heck that would happen. And I would imagine that um, Amy is not her name. Louise would want to do that too, right? She's going to want to know mm-hmm. that because it's all new to her and it's all scary and the physics of it is quite wacky. But we don't. We get to the end of the scene and we go bang, straight back to base camp. Yeah, and well, that I get, cuts out a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, um, and I get that this is like it's supposed to be a memory kind of thing and we don't and it's supposed to be like being in her memory. Hmm. And so, you know, when you're in memory, you remember like certain things and you don't remember the boring logistical details of things and I get that. But I really would have liked to have seen it just once because it, that is super fascinating how you hmm. get up to a certain height and you suddenly lose gravity and you can walk in a different direction. That's cool, right? Yeah, exactly. That there's so many things in like that I feel in this movie where I just would have liked to have been able to see what was happening. Yeah, but I, I feel um, like they were going Or for... been able to hear what was happening as well. Um, oh, right. I didn't I think I had that problem so much. It was, yeah, I had that problem a few times where um, there's a couple of scenes where there's like important dialogue that's being said that I couldn't understand. Um, and in total contrast to some, like, I didn't have that problem with some other movies that we've watched like this. Yeah. I don't know what it was about this one. I think it's when the soundtrack is competing. It's the same problem I had with Interstellar, actually. Oh, when the soundtrack competes with yeah. the dialogue, I really have an issue with that because I, yeah. I can't hear it and there I were get cu- frustrated. Yeah, there were a couple of scenes like that, actually, where it was a bit interstellary in terms of the sound mix. Not quite as, like, audacious. No. But, yeah, you're right. There were a couple of times where that happened. Um, and this is like, you know, I, I'm saying this because I, I did – really uh i think this is like exactly what a sci-fi movie should be um it's presenting these kind of strange complicated ideas um we've got aliens and we've got like um the way time works and how memory works and all these kind of interesting concepts and and it's asking the bigger questions as well Mm. you know if you can see your whole life before it happens would you go through with it and it is a really difficult, complicated question. And obviously, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner end up on the on different sides of that mm. um, argument. And it's it's a 
it's a tough question to ask and it is interesting that they do the setup for that, you know, and then, and then leave you thinking about it. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I actually, um, also really liked Jeremy Renner in this movie. I haven't liked Ooh. him in a while. Um, yeah. He was so unrennerish. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with him in yeah. this movie. I kept waiting for him to like try and dominate her or like try and, um, undermine her or like push his work in front of hers. But it didn't happen. He was like, um, and I, I didn't. I can't credit myself for this idea, but he was the girlfriend. Mm. He was supportive, and he was like, he was also smart, and he had his own thing going on, you know, in his own right. But mm. like, he wasn't the main person, and he treated her like a colleague, and like a respected colleague who was the lead on this project. I was, I kept waiting for him to turn into a dick, and he didn't. Yeah, it was interesting that he did also have the cheesiest line of the movie for me. Which was that, um, I thought that they would amaze me, but it wasn't meeting them that amazed me. It was meeting you. Yeah. And that was the one that I also, like, before he said it, I was like, Oh my God, I know what he's going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, and it, they have this real slow pause before it happens. Yeah. And then he says it and I'm like, Oh, like, yeah. I think out loud. Sorry, bit- cinema. Um, but it was, it was a bit on the nose. And also, I think one of the strengths of the film is that, that relationship develops quite naturally yeah, between the I two of them, that. and it's and it, it seems to work like it seems perfectly natural to me. I think, um, I think I figured out that Jeremy Renner was the kid's dad relatively early on, right? When she says, "If you want science, go see your dad," yeah, uh, is uh, when actually, I got it. Yeah, or it was either there or when she draws, um, mummy and daddy talking to animals. Okay, I think it was when she drew mummy and daddy draw talking to animals. Daddy looked like Jeremy Renner, and I was like, yeah. And then she said it, the science line, and I was like, uh huh, yes, definitely. So that was obvious to me that they they do get together and have this kid, right? Mm. But um, the relationship felt quite organic. It didn't feel like the kind of building of relationship where you would have that sort of overt cheesy lines. That, yeah. and it just, it kind of didn't ring true for the rest of it, which actually worked really well together. Um, yeah, I mean, the I last really like the, the moment when too, but I yeah. like the moment when she um is on the phone and she's like, "Give me a minute," and he just sort of stands there and he's like. I don't know how to distract you guys, but please don't shoot me. <laughs> I liked that. That cracked yeah. me up for some reason. Yeah, well, it's part of that subversion of of the of the roles of like he's got to be he's not the main guy who's got to save the world. He's got to he's got to be the the sidekick, the fun friend, you know. Yeah. And and it, it's it's a subversion. We're not used to seeing that. Yeah. Um. I also thought that they they could have built up the, you know, how we kept getting flashes of the guy who ended up blowing up the ship. Mm-hmm. I would have been interested to see his kind of like journey and motivation a little bit more. Yes. I, we got little flashes of it, but like it, it sort of, the movie seemed to be struggling with whether it wanted us to keep us just in Amy Adams's perspective or give us other perspectives. Mm. And then they ended up having to give us other perspectives in order for the story to work. Mm. But I feel like they should have maybe broken out of that a little bit more just to give us that kind of, cause you know, it, that's a fairly important plot line. Um, and I, I didn't get what was taken, going on, but yeah, it was obvious cause he was obviously looked a bit dodgy, but if we'd had just like a few minutes with him, I yeah, would have made it. A bit we better. we see a couple of things where like his wife is talking to him and and mm. stuff like that. But I just think it would have been like a little bit interesting to see him talking to um other people like the other soldiers that helped mm. him and, and doing his his regular work kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, the talking because he wife, wasn't really a person. No, he was just kind of a um a thingy that I've forgotten the word. Cipher. Yeah, that's the um, one I wanted. Because the bit where he's talking to his wife, I assumed, because when we got that scene, I was like, oh, we're getting this scene because he's going to die later. And so we just have to know that he has a wife and children. Obviously, I'm well, well too, too well versed in movie cliches. But. Yeah. Um, I know. I thought he would do, I knew he would do something bad by the time he was listening to the radio um, later on. And there's. A- oh, yeah. No, I knew he was going to die, but I thought he was going to die like 
he, oh, sorry, I knew he was going to be bad, but I thought he was going to also die heroically in the course of doing the bad thing. That scene with the bomb in the room was so tense because they had no idea it was happening. It was, it was so, so tense. Good. Yeah. So well done. I really liked that. And scene. they're just like working so hard and like, it, God, that was well done. Yeah. Yes. And I really like the design of the aliens too, how they look like kind of like a mix between like tentacle aliens and like hands with mm. knuckles everywhere and stuff. Yeah. That was cool. And the way that the aliens communicate was kind of interesting. Um, oh, that, I was, that, the linguistics absolutely fascinated me. Yeah. The linguistics stuff was really fun. It was really interesting. I have this kind of thing about the idea that you learn something because you've already learned it in the future, mm. which means that she never learns it kind of is a puzzle um, <laughs> to say the least because like at what point now does she learn it then well yeah like you when you play with the non-linear time sort of thing yeah you can't she learns it at both times but if you're playing with non-linear time she learns it at both simultaneously but she, that's the thing she does can, she actually then go and study it or well because if, and if she doesn't then go and study it won't it go back and ruin the timeline so that she doesn't know well, it so the thing is she's i was actually thinking of the phone number here but the language as well she um She's obviously put in a lot of groundwork for developing. Mm. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's. It's like she's put in some groundwork, and she also gets a few hints from the future, kind of thing. It's but not, she knows everything. She can read all of it suddenly. Well, they, yeah, that's like the um when they give her the, all the language all the right. time. So my question is, when they do, they do that by unlocking time for her. So. She then has to study the language, but she already knows it. So when is she going to study it in order to know it? Well, she uh, uh, so afterwards she ha- she when she, that's the whole writing the book thing. She's yes. putting it all. It's, it's not so much studying as putting it all down on paper. Okay, that's how I read it. Okay, is it because I read it as like she thing. figured out how to do it and then she remembered herself after she knew how to do it. No, so she got got the thing and it was in her implanted into her brain or whatever, but because of the way the time works, the way she got time now, well she the way she has time from the aliens, she now has to kind of that still has to get from her brain out onto the paper. Okay. Yeah, we read it really differently then. I'm I think I'm just too used to time travel movies and stuff. Like I I watch I mean, a lot of the stuff in time travel movies is um kind of uh complicated and you look when you start look unpicking it. Yeah, I think I just thought of – I really – I was always definitely thinking of her as in, like, academic context. So I was kind of thinking, like, you know, a person who's out doing some field work and then comes home and writes it all down mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and she's presumably ta- – she's taking notes at the time. She has a team who's, like, transcribing things for her and helping her out. I thought it was really interesting the way that the film – I like the build-up at the beginning of the movie. I like how the film doesn't, like th- – just throw you into things. I kind mm. of enjoy that, you know, slow reveal of the ship and then the slow reveal of the aliens. Um, they both get their hero shots. That hero shot of that ship is freaking amazing. Like with the, the fog rolling, the clouds rolling over the mountains mm. as the ship is there. And that, I mean, they hold that for a long time because that is gorgeous mm. um, and totally deserves the time that it's given. They don't give you any information on how the aliens work, which I suppose is fine. But, um, like, you know, the technology and, and the way that the ships just kind of disappear when they leave and stuff like that. Mm. Um, that, and it's not really about the aliens. I would have been interested to see a little bit more of like the build of the relationship between the aliens and the humans. Well, cause, and it's obvious that the other countries are all sort of finding out similar things at different rates and, or diff- slightly mm. different things at different rates kind of thing. And that was, um, interesting. And obviously, like, I appreciated the realism of like having all the countries start fighting with each other and not wanting to share information because that is, you know, that's mm. what would happen. Especially with like, you know, 
people in the streets and fighting and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it would have been nice to know some of that stuff. But again, it it is it's very much about. I mean, all sci-fi is about humans and about our world, but it's very much about the humans and about our world. Yeah, and I did think that. I mean, I felt like some of the time it could have shifted focus a little bit. Like there's a lot of things where I felt like I was like, yes, we know this. Mm. I've seen this already. I don't feel the need to see it again right now. I understand what's going on. I I appreciate that they were trying to help the audience understand, but there are quite a few scenes where I was like, we don't need another scene of Amy Adams wandering around. Um, We we could really use this time to build on some of these interesting ideas that you guys have got going on here. yeah, but, I and, so, but it's only because I was so interested in those ideas. I was so fascinated by the linguistics of it. I think, I mean, I like linguistics and I like all that stuff, but I, that was utterly fascinating to me and I would have happily gotten more of that. And I would also want, would be interested to know what the physicists were doing as well. Yeah, we don't really get, ever get a chance to know what. Uh, I mean, Jeremy Wren is only there to be a foil, really, for Amy Adams. Mm. Like, um, oh, but science. And she's like, no, we need the language. Mm. Um, but we don't actually know what science he's doing. Like we don't get to see a mm. lot of the stuff that's um he he end up he ends up essentially just supporting her yeah and that was um, uh, I found that a little bit odd actually I was like why isn't he doing his stuff that he's got supposed to do but anyway girlfriend role <laughs> yeah exactly well that's the but it's still under uh, underdeveloped yeah. yes it's still underdeveloped whether it's the girlfriend role or the you yeah. know it, it, oh yeah no I agree I I would have liked to see what he was because. It's also clear that, like, much like in the movie where this is not a problem that America can solve on its own, this is not a problem that linguistics can solve on its own. Speaking of America can solve on its own, all I could think about when I was watching this movie, which takes place over, what, like a couple of months? Yes. That they're talking and that they keep Yeah, because they can only this. go in once every 18 hours yeah. and they seem to go in 36 times or something. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, it's cool, it's interesting, but, like, all I could think about was it's clearly not set now. <laughs> Or it's clearly not set in Donald Trump's presidency because Donald Trump would just blow the thing out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, it's, like it's so kind of it's so surreal to be in this in this in our darkest timeline to be yeah, watching well, these movies and you're like, Yeah, wow, how you know, this is like weirdly optimistic in spite of the fact that it's mm. what you would consider realistic, um, in terms of like you know international relations and things and you just think now what are we going to do because yeah. they talk about the tr- president said this and the president said that and i'm like now you've got to go um oh my god this thing in the sky it's huge like yeah. <laughs> the yeah, pres- yeah. what the president says is not going to make any sense yeah um well I, it's interesting actually because this is the first film we've watched since trump was elected but uh, with the last one we watched before the election was um Hell or High Water, or the last one I edited before mm-hmm. the election was Hell or High Water, and Hell or High Water was felt very much like Trump's America. Mm. But of course, this has and um uh, the one we're going to be we will have reviewed last week, um Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But as time of recording, we haven't <laughs> reviewed yet. Um, it, it, they're both, actually Fantastic Beasts is going to be really interesting yeah, to discuss in terms the, of Trump as well. And because of the way movie lead times work, these movies were in in the works years before, mm. like. Before Trump ever announced his candidacy or any of this stuff happened, before Brexit, I mean, there was. It's obvious that there's certain trends that go on in the world, but it is very interesting to watch watch movies now that have been made before that era, to kind of watch them in that era. Yeah, it just makes you wonder because I mean, this is full of that kind of sci-fi optimism. I think this is mm. like Star Trekish, you know. It's it's that kind of willfully realistic optimism I think yeah and that's what the whole message of the film is ultimately is the concept that like your life is precious and important and full of discoveries and And it has value 
it has value yeah, and it has value regardless of um how long it is or how short it is you know mm. um which is the storyline with uh hannah her daughter um which amused us because like hannah is my favorite girl's name because it's a palindrome and literally well, yeah, in the movie as soon as she says oh, why am i called hannah i'm like because it's a palindrome and you did exactly the same thing yeah, next yeah. to me yeah it's because it's such a thing for me like i really like and then because it's the same forwards and backwards and she can see through time but for me i was just like oh it's a palindrome that makes it pretty mm. <laughs> um so yeah i thought that was funny but uh hannah that that story was so kind of it, it i i'd like to see the movie again to kind of pass that storyline and like watch it with the knowledge because I did figure it out mm. probably roughly halfway through I think yeah. I was like oh this isn't the past she didn't already yeah, lose she a daughter there's a point at which I, I thought she had PTSD and then they make it look like she has PTSD but it's not it's like flash forwards not forward PTSD yeah it's lost um, yeah it, and it's fascinating and you do figure it out halfway through or so um, and it, I think it would be very interesting to watch again I mean I did think back on it a bit but yeah I would like to too yeah, I think you when you place it in the t- in the timeline, but then it would be interesting to see why she's kind of disaffected the way she is at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Um, that I because well, it does kind of feel like she's separated from the world. That that actually felt like a, yeah a great sort of um, I, that was an interesting subversion as well because the the trope would be that her daughter has died and therefore she's sad and it's mm. it's uh, fueling her man pain. I oh, know she's not a man, mm. um, and it's fueling her pain. But it's kind of like she, she's just, you know, an, a tired academic or or what? I mean, I don't know. Her house, by the way, is extremely nice for someone who works as an academic at a university. I think the implication is that she lives really far out, though. Yeah, um, but th- that is interesting because why is she so sort of like that? Yeah, um, I know. Exactly. Or is she, has she always been like that? Has she always been like um, because she's so smart? Is she sort of a bit isolated and a bit wacky? And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd just this be curious were, to find out. If this were a male character, and I do wonder in the short, what how the character was framed in the short story, if this were a male character, like him being like a curmudgeon who's aside from society because he's so smart would be a trope. But it, I don't know. But she doesn't seem curmudgeonly. She no, seems sad. Yeah, or, yeah, just kind of like flaky almost. Like she kind of she does she she knows what's going on in her world. But she's not really sort of interested in anything beyond that. But there's also this scene as well when she talks to her mum and she's like, you know, oh, you know me, I'm always okay. And she's clearly not. And things like that that are kind of like, she does seem like there's there's something going on, but we don't know what it is. And we assume mm. that it's because she lost her daughter. Yeah. Um, but also the timeline on losing her daughter because her daughter's a teenager by the time she dies. And I'm sitting there going, how old is Amy Adams? How old would she have had to be to have this yeah. daughter? Which is kind of one of the reasons why it clicked pretty early that like this daughter was born after the events that yeah. the main events that we see in the movie well i mean amy, um, amy adams in real life is around 40 so she could quite easily have a teenage daughter right she could but, but the way that she looks when the girl is a little kid yeah they didn't try to make her look no any younger. no exa- that's i did exactly the same thing i was like <laughs> she looks exactly the same and so you kind of then do have to do the maths and you're like so say she's meant to be say 35 when she goes on this mission and then the daughter's born like two years later and mm-hmm. the book but she's not pregnant when the book comes out. So did the, she have the baby before the book or the book came out and then she had the baby. And so by the time the baby dies, she must be late 40s. Like, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly the maths that I, I was doing. Do, I'm always doing this kind of maths, but yeah. And that's the thing is that I think that kind of, when you watch movies as much as we do, it, it all sort of like, you, you're always thinking about why, why they made certain choices in terms yeah. of the movie well, making. I think also as, um, as where um, I, it's also partly like we're going through life as 
women and there's always this feeling when you're a woman of this like clock on your life and you have to do certain things at certain times kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, therefore I'm often fascinated with ages and the way that Hollywood portrays women as like both super accomplished and also the mother of teenagers when they're 36 kind yeah. of thing. And you're just like, how that how does that operate? Because in the real world, you can do one or the other, but you usually well, don't does. do both. Um, um, yeah, yeah, but it's really um, – I mean, I think it's great. We're, we're 25 minutes into the podcast now and all we've been talking about is the movie. We have, Oh, like, this is a great movie. There's so much to unpack from this movie, you know. It's so interesting and so, like I said, it's so I'm, dense yeah, with information. I'm so grateful for this movie also, this time and in this year. And this year. Because <laughs> uh, this year has been so bad for movies, right? Like, and so bad for movies. Yes, for movies in particular. Um, yeah, and, and so it's really just, it's nice to see a movie, even if the sun never comes out in this movie, it's nice to see a movie where it's like, interesting and both intellectual and uh emotionally involving and and i think a lot of that also has to come down to i mean amy adams does such a freaking good job in this and i always really and you know we talked about it at the top of the podcast but like i did watch her first in buffy she was this minor character in in the episode family she plays tara's cousin and beth cousin beth um (laughs) and she's like this tiny little role and i've just watched because because i was into that i've just you know, kind of seen her in all these things mm. and growing and getting the Oscar nominations and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and to get to see her do something like this, especially because she has played a lot of like not as interesting roles. She's played some really great ones, but, um, there was a moment in this movie when I was suddenly reminded of, it, of um, Enchanted. <laughs> I don't remember what she did, but I think there was just like a little movement that she did that I was like, oh, look, it's um, Giselle um, that made me amused. Yeah. But yeah I just think well, it's she, really nice to see her yeah. grow and didn't well, get to do something this cool. She's a wonderful story too. Like her or- Amy Adams' origin story is that um, the film Drop Dead Gorgeous. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah, so I saw that at the movies with my friend Naomi. But um, I didn't see it. I saw that later. But um, it's like this cult classic now because you cannot find it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was her first film and she got into it because it happened to be filming in her hometown, mm-hmm. right? And this, the fact that this talent was like hiding out in middle America and that she kind of, she'd gone, she'd been going on auditions and everything mm-hmm. had happened. And then this, this movie ha- just comes along at the right time and she's there and she's able to take advantage of it. But she was also performing in like one of those dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Things, she, right? she, oh no, I'm not saying she wasn't already working, but like. Her story is this wonderful Hollywood fairy tale kind of thing. But she's so good in yeah. this. But this movie feels like literary sci-fi. Like it, it fe- does, feels yeah. like everyone on this film has really thought through – like every choice is very deliberate. Well, I'd say maybe like not just literary but like smart sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Well, smart sci- – yeah, the smart too. But it I also has literary mo- because I was thinking that everything is filled with meaning and yeah. every choice, every, every choice, the cinematography, the editing – the acting choices are all very specifically made, very thoughtfully made. Yeah. Um, I, I still think there are a couple of areas where I'm like, no, just don't, please don't do that. But, you know, it has its action moments and its tense moments and its mm. good storytelling as well, which I don't think I've actually seen any other Villeneuve movies, but I've heard about them. Yeah, he made Sicario. Sicario, I heard, was like uh, kind of a critic darling, but tough to yeah oh, i heard it was something that i darling but sexist is what i heard on that one and something that i wouldn't be particularly interested in which is interesting because this movie's really not sexist um no, like no. Uh, like aggressively not se- assertively not sexist um the fact that she the, i mean even just the clothes that she wears you know when she goes onto that ship mm. and she's in the floaty stuff and she's in this kind of big bulky outfit um in the white yep 
whatever it is, chemical mist yeah. thing. Um, and she's in this outfit that's so big and bulky and it doesn't flatter her like at all. She's all. Yeah, she's always wearing sensible boots and like chinos and sensible shirts and like it, it's it's she's completely dressed for practicality and mm-hmm. and for a person who is doing the job she's doing. And she wears the same clothes over and over again because all she's – a helicopter has arrived at her house in the middle of the night and given her 10 minutes to pack. That cracked me up. I thought yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? I did appreciate that the movie didn't like – also had moments for humour or for something fun to do yeah. because it, it lightened the mood. And like all of the scenes, I actually thought that Amy Adams did a great job of, of the mother scenes mm-hmm. because they felt so kind of – um, intimate and real. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then when Jeremy Renner joins in at the end of the movie, that also feels intimate and real and really yeah. lovely. And I think, you know, it is this kind of question of, I suppose everybody comes out of it questioning, well, what would you do? Yeah. Would you have the kid or not? Cause I've, I've watched things before. There was this kid that used to be on like Oprah and stuff and he was in a wheelchair and, and, uh, had some sort of disease that shortened his life. And he was also very smart and very uh, wise. Mm. about the world and things like that. And his mother had had like four kids and they'd all died of this thing. And she, and you know, you kind of look at that and go, why would you keep doing this? Why would you keep bringing people into the world that you know are going to die really young? And this movie kind of goes into that, you know? Yeah. She, and yet she, why kid, would she go into yeah. this? Why would she go into this this yeah. birth knowing that this child is going to die when she's yeah. a teenager? And it's a lot, it's about kind of bigger questions about, uh, you know, we don't have control over everything and we don't, you don't know. But it's also this and question it's of, also, like, that she takes away the child's right as, to choose, you know, but then, right, but you then know, she if also, she didn't but do she that, then gives, she wouldn't have a life at all. Right, she gives the child the right to exist. Yeah. But there's also the kind of, like, questions that are both big and small of, like, being in love and wanting to have a baby together and that kind of, it's it's like this drive that's, bigger than any individual person but at the same time it's very much an individual person making a decision and she doesn't include other people in that decision as well yeah it's it's this kind of really it's it is a complex and and she yeah Uh, but then you know to live her whole life she realized she can't live her whole life lying to her husband Mm. about what's going to happen but then he he's like you've tricked me into this and Mm. i've got to deal with this now so it's like all of, of that stuff would have been great to see <laughs> it is it's fat but it's also really fascinating mm. not seeing it all because there's it leaves that open to like what would i do um how would i react like um you don't yeah i think no i think making that into the twist does remove us a little bit from what jeremy renner's character could have been yeah um because we could have actually seen his reaction we could have seen a lot of the, we only yeah. see him with Hannah like once, and I, I also that did, the way he reacted didn't quite ring true to me. I, I'm it, based it, on what we see because we well, don't because, see everything. But I also, think. this is his kid. It doesn't matter. Like it's still his kid. Well, she doesn't say that she. She says he looks at me differently. He doesn't, and, and obviously, I think I think the implication is that. But he he's looks not at her. there at the hospital at the end. That is weird. Yeah, I thought that I was, was strange. Like, I was like, I, I, I don't feel like care. that wouldn't happen. Like that doesn't that didn't ring true for me. And he yeah, would have shown up. Yeah, I thought the dad had died. And yeah, and until no, they started making references knowing to what the we know about this guy, this guy strange. who is collegiate and helpful and supportive and kind. And yeah, he would have showed up. He would have kept showing up for that kid no matter what. Yeah, and that didn't quite ring true for me. I did think that was a bit strange, and that that I think is part of this, like keeping it for a twist yes. concept. Yeah. Um, I thought that I think it kind of undersells that 
relationship because they're trying to make it a twist. And I get mm. that as a storytelling device. And we're going to probably talk about this in the next one in Fantastic Beasts as well. I understand that they need to try and keep things secret as a storytelling device, which works much better, by the way, in Arrival than in Fantastic Beasts. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it does kind of undersell that a little bit, especially since when we see them. You know, he's he's so great. And actually, I thought Jeremy Renner and Ad- Amy Adams had a very natural kind mm. of chemistry. I mean, I know they've worked together a- before. Yeah, apparently they're friends. Yeah, so I, I you know, I, I understand a lot of the reasonings behind these things. Um, and I don't think they're particularly flaws in the movie. It's just this kind of necessity that undersells a few things. But, yeah. um, but you know, you've got to pull together so many pieces to craft a movie like this. And for them to keep the twist a secret for a long as for as long as they did is mm. pretty admirable like you know the fact that i didn't figure it out till halfway through the movie i think is pretty good um yeah and and things like that and it just it was such a kind of interesting really really thought-provoking good movie mm. to get to see this year and i do think i, I think the cinematographer is really good at what he was doing and i mm. think that even the person who uh, wrote the soundtrack whose name is like it's the same thing twice Oh right, um, remember, it's, I, it's I, I specifically as well. wanted to see it, and I can't remember it now. It's like Scandinavian or something, and it's the same or European, and it's the same name twice. Oh, Johan Johansson. Thank you. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, I'm I'm sure that you know. I, I think that he did a good job. Actually, I think the score was good. I just don't like the way it was used in certain times, and I don't. I think this style of filmmaking is just not going to look good in 20 yeah, no, years no, no. it's gonna look like we we will we look at movies from the 80s or 90s now and we're like i, I know exactly when that was made yeah. this kind of film stock this kind of editing this kind of yeah, soundtrack yeah, yeah. is that and there's and it's the lens flares and the natural light and the slight deliberate fuzziness please, and the filters and please drop natural light like of anything in this movie no actually more than natural light i want to drop the warm music but <laughs> like which is inception but inception they did it I mean, it it was on purpose and it worked, you know. Yeah. Um, they've it's done it like so everybody many wants, times since then. Yeah, everybody um, wants to do Inception now. Yeah, you, you can really, like, date them to the 2010s, can't, can't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. But that, that one, more than anything else, but secondly is Natural Light because Natural Light is, like, it's not – it doesn't look natural. Right now we're sitting in here and there's, like, really bright light right behind you from the sun. You know, like, the, I, I don't – it's not – it doesn't read natural to me. It reads dark. It, and, I mean, shooting in natural light is a very particular skill, of course, but I, I don't know about that. I'm actually – I find natural light quite interesting as far as it can work, although I'm – But why in this movie does the sun it, – it's never sunny. It's white and grey for the whole movie. Like – it just it's it's so for a movie that's kind of optimistic and about oh, like see I really like the way that tied the color palette of the film together like I, I it felt like it was all of a piece you can pick any shot from this movie and you know it's from this movie that's true and you know yeah I probably should appreciate that more I just get frustrated with it hmm. um I don't I don't like not being able to, I think it's it comes down to I don't like not being able to see what's happening and not being able to hear what's happening in it. I get frustrated with it. Probably my eyes and my ears are going cuz I'm old and <laughs> bad. My <laughs> I I know my hearings. I, the, the I think the soundtrack thing is partly because um I I now do have trouble picking things out when there's a lot of background okay. noise. Yeah. So like I I think that's just affecting how I appreciate these things because I love movies and I want to know what's happening and it frustrates me when I can't figure yeah. it out. Yeah, well, I just got new glasses, so I'm pretty sure I was seeing it okay. Um, I yeah. could see it okay, but when it's dark, it you don't get to see a lot of the, you know, the details don't come out as well. Yeah, and I, just, just kind I didn't of, find that this had any dark moments, really. 
I I, was I found I could always and not see as what I was going on. I contrasting. was so I've had tr- I've certainly had trouble with that in the past. Like TV shows like Lost, I found way too dark to watch. A lot not of a time. problem for me. Buffy got really dark yeah. sometimes, and you couldn't see what was happening. Anything we but they would also cave. have things in the daytime and with proper lighting and stuff. And I, yeah. that yeah, that the scene that it most came across to me where I was most frustrated that I couldn't figure out what was going on was when they first entered the ship. That was the scene where it really came out no, to I, me. I'd had but no there's other there. scenes where like she gets picked up from her room and taken to another room, and then they're talking to the Chinese people. Yeah. Um, and then I couldn't fully see what was going on there. Um, the scene where they're sitting out on the truck and they have their little romantic moment, it comes down to it to the two of us, that bit, it's all shot from behind and uh, it was like evening or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of that kind of thing just, I don't know, it just frustrates me. Because I, I and because I think it's part of it is because I liked this movie so much, you yeah. know? So I, I really wanted to get into it and I, those things kind of pull me out i was actually talking to somebody i was talking to jamie who was on our podcast before about this movie and um and he said that he found the soundtrack the warm soundtrack really immersive and i was like i find it the complete opposite yeah see when I it goes I warm when nothing's happening i just get taken I, immediately I have, out of the moment i'm like what yeah. are you trying to tell me about this moment when they go up to the ship they do that um, uh, see i yeah i thought i found the soundtrack quite good on this yeah, um, but uh, and I don't always like. There are certain times when I do find soundtracks a bit intrusive, but I didn't have too many problems here. There is one bit where they're coming up to the ship for the first time where you can't hear what's being said yep. and it gets too loud. But other than that, I didn't have any problems. Yeah. I, I yeah, I think this is a um, me thing. No, fair enough. Should we wrap up? Yes, I think we should. Okay, four stars from me. Yeah, I'm giving it four stars as well. <laughs> Excellent. I can't. I mean, it was so good. I can't oh, take yeah. too much it's away so from it from good. by the fact that, like, and it's a stylistic thing. You know, I know that it's really good. I just and, and stylistically, it's, it's not my favorite. And one of the things style. I love is that this has got a great word of mouth. Mm. Like they expect it's, it was made on a budget of forty-seven million, which is considered low for Hollywood. And they were like, oh, it probably will make like sixteen million on its first weekend, and it made like twenty-five million just in the US. Mm. And then this got this huge overseas take as well, so it's easily going to make its budget back. And, and it deserves it too. And it it's deserves it, but it's also like worked hard at being good. Right. And it shows that there is this real like gap in the market for original, smart sci-fi that's aimed at adults. Mm. Like people will go and watch that and they will tell their friends. Yeah. And I think this is gonna have a good long run. Anyway. Well, that's the most interesting thing to me is that our cinema where we go had fewer screenings of this movie last week than they do this week. Yeah, it's and got, that never happens. No, it's it's building, and I and I and we've got a choice for this. We've seen two films this week: this and Fantastic Beasts. And I'm going to put out Fantastic Beasts because Fantastic Beasts is the big one. Yeah. But there was part of me that wanted to put this out first because I I want people to watch this and like. I don't think they're yeah. going to. I mean, we're telling every we told everybody to go watch it before yeah, we, we got here, I, so. I know, but like it's it's one of those real tell your friends ones. Like you guess the end of it. Like, I think we'll be good. I think it'll friends. still be out. Um, I think yeah. it is a builder. And it's such a wonderful sort of old-fashioned thing for a film to build like this. Yeah, and I it's love nice. it. I love it. Anyway. And it deserves it. It deserves it. I yeah. mean, Amy Adams totally deserves it. I just love that girl. Um, And girl, she's older than me, but whatever. Um, And I, I just think that this is a movie that really kind of, yeah, I, I do think this is a movie that worked hard at being good. And I mm. think that even like if you look at, you know, the peop- the stuff that these people have made in the past, it's a movie that kind of worked even harder at being good just to like – Mm. put together the elements of this story and make it involving and make it engaging. I'm just really <laughs> – sounds dumb. I'm really proud of this movie yeah. for coming out this year and being able to do what it's done. Yes. Thank you, Arrival. Thank you. 
Thank God for arrival in 2016. Yeah. And also thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to read the show notes or um, all, find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Uh, if you would like to read Katie's review of Arrival or any other films that she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens on Tumblr. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.